This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. An ambitious documentary series starts on the ABC tonight, and it's a must-watch that reveals much through its title, The School That Tried to End Racism. I heard another boy say, hey, I found some black paint. Why not paint you blacker? I've read some books and things like that, and I know that the white-skinned people, they can still be more respected than other skinned people, and it makes me uncomfortable. Advance Australia Fair. It is literally there in the national anthem. Fair. But is Australia really that equal? Walkley award-winning journo and good friend of Hope Breakfast, Mark Fennell, is the host of the doco and joins us this morning to talk all about it. Good morning, Mark. Hello. How are you? Good. It's always a treat to have you on. I think you're now officially in the Best Friends Club. You've been on so many times. You're up there with Eddie Wu, Dami Im. Yeah. That is good company. I'm very grateful to be in that company of people. Now, in this documentary series, you're based at a primary school in southwest Sydney uh, with a culturally diverse bunch of students. Can you explain the pilot program that the doco sets out to do and how you got the school to participate in it? Well, the school uh, came through participation of the Department of Education. So um, this is a program that has run for years, actually, throughout the US, and they've run it in the UK. And this is the first time it's been run in Australia. And it's actually very simple. So the word racism is very loaded. It's one of those words that gets people like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. And basically, when it comes down to racism in adults, you kind of fall into one of three categories, right? So you're either uh, somebody who's never experienced it, and to you I say, that's great, I'm happy for you, or you're somebody that recognises it is an issue, and statistically speaking, we know that there's a whole bunch of ways in which racism affects people's lives, but you're afraid to talk about it, right? You're worried if you talk about it, you're going to put your foot in your mouth and say the wrong thing. And then there's the third group, which is people like me growing up who experienced it. And you're afraid to bring it up because somebody will say, oh, you're being overly sensitive or, you know, you, you know you're, over, you're overthinking it. And so as a result of that, adults, by and large, really struggle to talk about it. The thing is, a lot of those patterns of behaviour, those patterns of thought, they bed in in adolescence, right? So the underlying thinking behind the series and, and the, the academia behind it is if you can give kids, 11 to 12-year-olds, a toolkit to talk about race, what makes them different, to understand how stereotypes turn into biases, turn into prejudices. If you can give them that toolkit early, the payoff later on will be incredible because those racist ideas that permeate society will not, because suddenly we can talk about it. And it's to my mind, it's about neutralising what is a bit of a hand grenade. And that's why it's important with these kids. So the, the Department of Education in New South Wales came on really early. They were very supportive. And obviously it's worth pointing out that this series was made with the very enthusiastic consent of the school, the teachers, the kids, and of course the kids' parents, all of whom have seen it and have been, you know, part of that process. So I think it's important to kind of keep in mind that, you know, anytime you're doing, I'm I'm a parent, you're a parent, anytime you're doing something with kids, you want it to be done with a lot of safety. Um, But I think what it shows is that, you know, there are lots of uncomfortable conversations in the show, as you've seen, Mm. But the trick to doing that is making sure you have uncomfortable conversations in an environment where kids feel safe and they feel secure and they'll be heard and they'll be treated with compassion and respect because that's actually really what adults would like as well, right? But it turns out if you can give kids that toolkit, then there's huge dividends that pay off down the track. You grew up yourself going to school in Sydney during the 90s and early 2000s as someone of a mixed heritage. Hmm. What was that experience like for you? Variable. Uh, like it's funny, 
I thought I got away, you know, relatively lightly because I am mixed race and, and I'm, you know, anybody that's seen me on TV or heard me on radio, it's not instantly obvious where I'm from. So there's not a lot of baggage attached to me. Like, And I'm mindful of the fact that people who have outward kind of names or accents do, I think, cop it in Australia a lot worse. And yet horrible names and things get called to you as a kid. Now, it's worth pointing out that like school is traumatizing for a range of reasons, not just about race. But when I sort of signed up to be part of the project and I'm, I was like, I, I was like, you know what? I think I actually got away okay. And then it was spending a month working with these kids, their teachers, realizing how many of the things that were said and done to me and many other brown kids around Australia growing up was not okay. And there is this moment that you can kind of see it in the promo at the beginning of the episode. Indeed, I believe they play it six times (laughs) because I cry. I was like, I suddenly realised how not okay it was. And it's not just not okay for me, but it's not okay for so many other kids growing up. And if we can do something about it, and that's the other thing, like with racism, you know, there are people who always kind of call out racism when they see it. I think there's a place for that. I think that's really important. But here was an opportunity to do something that was kind of integrated and holistic that would kind of solve the problem from the ground up. And that was so appealing. It wasn't just about pointing out problems, mm. which is so much of what your job is as a journalist. It was about looking to solutions. I was like, you can't not be involved in that. And then I broke down and cried on ta- on camera, which is something I promised myself, Sam, I would never do. And there we go. There's Mark, Mark crying on the, on the old ABC now. And it makes great television. So Apparently it does. Yeah. <laughs> it's how you win another Walkley Award, I think. <laughs> This is a, a primary school, and the relieving principal said something that really struck me in the first episode that airs tonight. She says that the students mix well, but when they get to year five or six, they tend to move to their culture or race, which creates a divide. Were you surprised that this is still happening in 2021? A little. Yeah, yeah, a little, because, I mean, I that was certainly what happened in my schooling, and I kind of grew up in the 90s mostly, and I just assumed that we'd become more evolved. Like I've got small kids in primary school and they all mix, you know, they're, and they, they're on the younger end. And I just assumed, well, they're mixing. So I assume it's fine. It's solved. It's fixed. Uh, and no, actually, it's out. And look, it's worth pointing out. It's, it's probably different from school to school, right? Mm. But in this particular school, which is a very multicultural school with a lot of mixture of kids, it was surprising to realise that that still happens. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with gravitating towards people of your own cultural background. I I'd certainly don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it was interesting that that trialism was starting to kind of bed in. I think it's about making sure that should that ever be a case and, and should that ever become problematic, it's about giving kids a toolkit. And yeah. I, I use that term a lot because it's the only way I know how to describe it, which is this a ways of talking about, ways of unpacking these issues that sometimes we find hard to talk about. Mm. One of the things that struck me too is the fact that this school is in southwestern Sydney and there's been a lot of focus in the media this year because it's been, you know, the, the centre of a lot of the outbreak of, of COVID-19 here in Sydney. What are the some of the problems you've seen around the narrative of the way the area has been portrayed this year compared to what you witnessed being there as the series was shot? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, um, yes, the series is shot in Southwest Sydney. I happen to live in Southwest Sydney <laughs> as well. I grew up in Southwest Sydney and, and South. Sydney as well. It's telling, I guess, that there is a real divide in Sydney um, in terms of what people have access to. I mean, we're seeing at the moment, some people have ready access to things like beaches and then people in the South and Southwest don't necessarily have those access, that, that access. And you can see that divide forming. And I think, I don't think I'm speaking massively out of school to say that I do think there's a real sense of resentment that's in the community a little bit as to what one end of the city gets and what the other end of the city gets. 
I think um, the story that gets told about people, I think the story that was told about people in South West Sydney early on in the mix was possibly unfair in the sense that people didn't, like, I don't think people realise that the the general demographics in South West Sydney tend to be younger. It's a lot of people working in service industries. There are bigger families um, and that all of those things, it seems, you know, in hindsight, probably aided to a, a faster spread. Um, but also, realistically, now we're seeing everywhere in the country that it, Delta is fast, you know, like it's going to move fast. And I, look, I'm obviously not an epidemiologist, but it's pretty clear to see now that Delta is a new thing and it was looks like it was going to spread anyway. That doesn't mean we don't do everything we can, as you know, everybody's everybody's doing everything they can. But I do think the way in which it became a story about how Southwest Sydney couldn't contain it for one reason or another. In, you know, and there was definitely some some loaded xenophobia in, in some of that criticism for sure. I think it was unfair. But look, I mean, no, actually, you know what? It was just it was just unfair. But I think we're navigating, you know, hopefully towards the the you know closer to the end than the beginning. Mm. He says with his fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm about as qualified a fortune teller as I am a qualified epidemiologist. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I do think. I mean, the thing about the pandemic is that it sort of just has highlighted every inequality we have, right? Those who could work from home, those who couldn't, those who could keep their kids home from school, those who couldn't, like Mm. everything about it, it's like you built it in a lab to define all the things that separate us. And I think there'll be years of working out what that means for us as a cohesive society, because I've got to tell you, Australia doesn't feel terribly cohesive right now at the moment. Yeah. One thing that this documentary makes us consider, and this is something that really made me question uh, myself, is how diverse our own friendship groups are. Mm. Why is it important for us to pause and consider that question for ourselves? It's a good question. Uh, I think visibility and understanding different cultures and being comfortable to interact with people from different cultures uh, makes you more culturally flexible, as it were. So if you only mix with people of your own cultural background, and, and this isn't limited to, to white people or brown people, right? If you only mix with people like you, your ability to navigate people who disagree with you or come from a different perspective is severely limited, like severely limited. And I think it's important to understand that moving with and talking with and engaging with people who come from a different background to you, have perhaps different opinions to you, is better for you in general because what it does is it forces you to think outside your own box. It forces you to be a bit more elastic in in your compassion. Mm. And I think, I mean, in the last few years, it's become a bit of a cliche to talk about how people move into echo chambers where they only talk to people who agree with them, who have the same beliefs as them. Um, And I think, you know, the, the principle of getting kids to expand their social group to include people that aren't necessarily like them I personally, as a person that's like witnessed Twitter <laughs> over the last five years, if nothing else, think that the knock-on effects of that could be gargantuan. Just daily engaging with people who are not like you, who come from different backgrounds, maybe have different economic circumstances, just the daily engagement within reason can do really powerful things for, for your mind. Uh, mm. And that's my, that's my super reductive take on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you hope that this series, I mean, it's a three-part series, starts tonight. Do you hope Mm. that it will encourage schools across Australia to address racism, whether it be through watching this program or otherwise, and work towards a real culture shift? Do you hope that this pilot program is rolled out nationally? It's interesting. A few people asked me that question, and we we sort of end end the series by revealing just how much the kids have changed. So there's that. 
I think to me, it comes down to, there's a line I say at the very beginning, which is advanced Australia fair. We've decided the word fair is in our DNA, but then we have to ask ourselves the question of exactly how fair is it? And I think, you know, if the program, and I'll let people kind of decide for themselves how effective they think it is, but if the program can move us to being a fairer country, then I think we have to consider it, right? Mm. You know, I think there's a lot of um, concern about introducing concepts like this in school, and I get that. But, I mean, at the same time, anybody that says school is just reading and writing has not stepped onto a school in years, right? We, we, we teach you know, mental health, we teach physical health, we teach ethics, we teach society, and we teach it young, right? So the idea that I, I think these issues are part of what, um, if you teach it well and you teach it kind of inclusively, they're about holding us together as a society, right? If we, un- if we learn to understand and navigate our differences better, we become a better whole as a nation, right? That's, that's my underlying kind of take on it. So I think you have to ask the question, like, if this can make us fairer, if this can make us more cohesive, listening and understanding each other, is there a place for that in schools? And really, you know, when you make a series like this, you are starting a conversation that the nation has to finish, right? So I would put it on certainly departments of education, teachers, and most importantly, parents, because what parents want will ultimately shift the needle. And so I think... What I hope it does is it shows you that these programs are certainly not scary or radical or anything ludicrous like that. They're actually pretty benign. Um, And also they're really illuminating. Mm. And I think I'm hoping that giving people a window inside those programs, it makes the conversation around whether or not we should be teaching this stuff in schools a bit more transparent and a little bit easier to discuss. Because right now what happens is whenever somebody talks about bringing up, you know, racism in schools. There's usually some knee-jerk politicians that get their opinions heard and everybody freaks out. They aren't the most important person in this equation and they never have been. It's parents, it's teachers, it's kids, it's departments of education. They are the ones that matter. And I'm hoping that a series like this gives them enough information to make an informed choice about what they want in their schools. But Mm. for me, it just comes down to, we say Advanced Australia Fair, if we can do something that gets us closer to being a fairer nation, then it's worth considering. Well, that's definitely what you will see tonight on ABC, 8.30pm, The School That Tried to End Racism, and later on iView, of course, and Mark Fennell, host of the documentary. Really appreciate your time this morning and for challenging us all. Thank you. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.